Hello again and welcome to the latest episode of Future Thinking, where we stay within the world of asset management after last week's talk with Timer Hyatt. And today we'll be talking about, well, talking and communication. My guest today is Mikkel Stjordup, Regional Director for Spire Invest in Luxembourg. Now, Mikkel ticks a number of boxes in that he covers marketing, communications and strategy for the asset manager, as well as having done some intriguing work off his own back to build trade links between Luxembourg and China. In our chat, Mikkel talks about how working almost 100% online has changed the way in which messages have to be delivered and how he has sought to bridge the social void created by isolation, including virtual nights out. He also looks at how companies may change the ways they communicate when the world finally normalizes. So listen, enjoy, and please leave any feedback or any comments for me, Chris Slowly at cslowly at citywire.co.uk. How are you doing, Vico? How's things? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm at home, as you can probably imagine. I'm looking out my window at beautiful Luxembourg, forests and trees everywhere. So uh, I could be in a worse place. Uh, I look forward to going back, but I am at home and I'm very well. I think, you, well, I mean, it seems like there is a universal experience at the moment. It seems like everybody is, we're in this weird, how long have you been working from home now? March 12th is when we were officially sent home to our home offices. Okay. That being said, we were working at home uh, previously as well in various occasions, not as long as now though. Okay. Well, I mean, I think this will come up in what we're going to talk about today, because this is about sort of marketing distribution and getting your message out there. Has this in any way impacted hinged on you your ability to get your message out there or were you already set up i mean it's a big topic to start with but we're looking at the future we're looking at the way things are evolving has this stopped the evolution of getting your message um not significantly um i uh, we, we are trying very much to do things online uh, anyway we are we're uh, strong users of uh, linkedin which is an, an excellent platform um, and uh, and really getting the message right and getting the message right out to the right people as well. Um, sure. What I lack, obviously, is the social part of it, where I, um, it's one of the things I believe I, I, I'm good at and w- which I enjoy as well, go out and meet the people and have the conversations face-to-face. And I'm not talking face-to-face like you and I are right now on this video uh, chat, but basically sitting down, having a drink, or sitting down, having a big meeting, then having a drink, but basically do the social part of what, what, what this job is, which we should never forget. Well, I think that's crucially important. And I spoke to somebody else for this series that is going to come out soon, where um, a guy called Timo de Jong, and he said for him, one of the most important things in meetings and social interactions are the incidental bits. It's where you chat, walk into the elevator, or you um, before everybody sits down and gets their, their slide deck out, you start chatting about, well, what do you do at the weekend? What have you been up to? And that's where you can get a real feel for the person. So I do think we have had a slight social impediment there. I couldn't so agree how, what more. can you do to fill that gap then? I couldn't. I couldn't. First of all, I couldn't agree more with you, uh, Chris. It's um, it's the break of the event that's the interesting part. It's not the actual event. That being said, of course, uh, a lot of things and interesting things going on in, in, in events when you have expert speakers on panels, etc. That's super interesting. But the people that you really want to meet and the people that you really want to have a chat with, the one you meet in the queue when you are uh, waiting for your lunch or the tea uh, or whatever it is. Uh, and uh, funnily enough. Uh, I have had uh, social events with uh, some of my clients and potential clients over the last weeks um, on a nice little app called House Party, uh, where you of can course, actually uh, meet each other face to face. We have a drink in each of uh, each of our own corners of the world, uh, but we're in there together. We're doing quizzes online. Uh, we're chatting with each other. We're showing our views outside the window, and we have that casual chat. But that's a fabricated, fabricated uh, ca- casual chat more than it would normally be. Yeah, Whereas, of course. 
it's always something you agree on that you go for a beer, but then things happen and, and, and things go on and you decide to go for dinner. Here's a little bit more fabricated, but it was still extremely nice. And to see also that everyone else is as interested in that as I was. One thing that I found, and I was listening to radio the other day and they talked about this, of the, the moving towards sort of virtual social interactions is how important silences can be. And I mean, we're talking about messages and we're talking about communication, but I did, they were saying that it's really nice when you're, in a public space and you can both just sit without saying anything. But in this environment where we're talking, like you said, we can see each other in the video, it's still artificial. It's still not fully social, but I suppose it's better than nothing at this stage. Adding a social pause just to see your reaction. Uh, how long I, I thought you crashed. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be the technology and it could be you've we've all uh, seen and re-seen now during this period the video of um of uh, every conference conference call that's running on youtube where you say can you hear me am i there am i blurry uh whatever we've all seen that yes uh, pauses and pauses are such an important part of interaction actually uh, when you study interaction on a, on, a, on an academic level uh, you'll see that the pauses are often the ones that are very decisive uh, and people like you and me who talk a lot uh and i, I can only speak for myself uh, in this case, but we are sometimes a bit afraid of pauses, in fact, yeah. because uh, what will happen? Well, will people think I'm stupid? Uh, have I not said enough? Am I not interesting enough? Whereas a pause can actually give the, the, the exact right time to think, uh, a break to rethink and reformulate. It's uh, it's, so, it's so important. So uh, it's something that, that comes up. And I had a chat also with my very good friend. And actually, uh, we have both studied interaction in our past. So those breaks, they they, they did not seem weird to us. They seemed uh, natural because we're just there talking. We were also drinking a beer. I don't know why beer is in every conversation I have uh, currently. I don't think that it's just these two cases. I think but, it's a lockdown scenario. People just... Very much, very much. But the point was, uh, we, we both know this. So 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 it didn't get weird. But had I, had, I, had I not spoken about it with you and done a break there, I would have uh, I would have panicked. And I would have said, oh shit, I've got to say something quickly now. Yeah, I think that's one of the fears. And I think um, one thing that I had to really train out of myself when I started in journalism was me not filling that gap, because you can also talk over somebody who wants to say something because you're so hastened to add something to the conversation. Looking at the way things are developing, though, what does this mean for like long term plans for getting messages out? Because it seems like all the messaging that we're seeing is short term or focused on what can we do in the immediate. I'm, I made some notes. I made a joke of showing you my three lines of notes before we started. But one of them said that we're going to move away from long-term experience to short-term profits, at least for a while, of showing what companies are doing to navigate this unprecedented time. Is that the way you see the industry going? Is there room to even think long-term at the moment? I think, especially now, there is room to think uh, long-term. I think this is uh, sort of a test. Uh, I think uh, you guys at Citua have covered a lot of uh, talk about also passive and active investing, uh, etc. I think uh, there's going to be a, a change in thinking. I think there's going to be a change in how markets react, how especially passive uh, management uh, of, of funds will, 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 will change, will have a sort of, you know, a challenge. And I believe all that will lead to the fact that, well, there is nothing wrong with thinking long-term. Nothing has changed in thinking long-term. And in terms of, of getting the messages out, I would say the, the, the time now gives me and our team at Sparinvest time to sit and think about what are those messages and how do I get them out now? We have time to think about what to say and we also have time to think about who do we want to say it to because we have time to sit and do the research and the, the background check of what is the what are, who are our potential clients and what do they want to know. 
And what do we what what do we offer? Well, without risk breaking sort of trade secrets, where are you focusing at the moment? Have you got is it business as usual, but in a different format? Or are you actually finding new things that new ideas you want to put forward in a different way you want to present Spire Investors as a company, for example? We are not reinventing any wheels, but we are uh, focusing our energy on analyzing exactly what is it that makes us special. What is the boutiqueness of the products that we offer? Why is it something that should be interesting to our potential investors? And then focusing on those messages and sharpening those messages and getting those messages out, but not just getting them out in the broad uh, to, to a lot of people, but actually focusing also on who is it who could be interested in this, who has the line of thinking, who has, uh, who has, uh, who who understands the language we speak? And, and just to give you an example, I mean, value investing has been on and off uh, uh, underperforming since uh, the financial crisis. Um, but that being said, uh, doesn't mean that we don't and portfolio shouldn't have value investing. So for us, it's all about who understands that, who yeah. would be would be would be uh, uh, able to receive a message we send out and find it interesting, because those are the clients that we would like to be in dialogue with. So at the moment, it's also about finding receptive audiences, I guess. It's about finding the people who respond well to the message you want to send. That's exactly right. And we have that time now. And we spend it uh, wisely, uh, hopefully, we think. Uh, and we, 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 we try to figure out who those people are and get to them. Speaking more broadly, I mean, one of the reasons I also wanted to speak to you, Michael, was because you've done a lot of work with China. And we've seen uh, a lot of debates around how China has recovered from this. But also, I was in a, a conference earlier in this week where they talked about possibly the end of globalization, this rise of protectionism. And I know you've done a lot of work in the Luxembourg market to strengthen those ties. Can you yes. talk about that? Is that? Do you see that as being under any sort of threat or do you think it's just going to have a momentary blip? I do see a lot of people talking about it being a threat. Um, living and working and uh, having the nationality of, uh, of Luxembourg, um, Luxembourg is so multicultural, so cross-border oriented, that it's unimaginable that Luxembourg um, goes in the opposite direction of any kind of globalization because we need our neighbors, we need Europe, uh, we need our funds uh, to be able to d distribute it to, 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 to the whole world. Um, but yes, of course, uh, the borders are currently uh, making things difficult. If you have people who live in, in Germany or France, who, uh, which a lot of people do who work in Luxembourg, I think we're above 180,000 counting Belgium, France and Germany, uh, that's difficult. Uh, there's been solutions and Luxembourg was very fast to build these solutions also because it, if they didn't do that, 70% of the staff in the hospitals would not be able to be in those hospitals where you need to take care of the corona patients. So exactly Luxembourg, I think we are not seeing messages or voices in that direction. But we do hear a uh, uh, French president, uh, um, Macron, saying if the EU doesn't get together here, it could be devastating for the whole uh, idea of the European Union. Um, and obviously, uh, if you can't cross borders, uh, there are many, many things you can't do. So uh, I am perhaps naive or positive enough to think that this will this will be solved also on a, on a cross-border basis. But currently, with borders being closed, we are seeing something opposite. And then, of course, we've had the, the ever-existing uh, uh, issue of, of Brexit uh, before that, which has probably not made it easier also to to, to, to continue the, the sort of get-together dialogue. It's interesting you mentioned Brexit because um, I wrote a piece earlier in the week about real assets. And I mean, property mm -hmm. funds have been closed quite hugely. And 
but I was writing the piece and we're talking about all these challenges. And one of the people I spoke to at the end went, oh yeah, but we had like Brexit is now like a footnote. It seems like that was, we were making such a huge challenge out of that. And now it's not. I mean, it still will be when it comes back and we do hopefully normalize to some extent, but this is more immediate. And you've made an excellent point there. Luxembourg's USP is that cross-border ability. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you have closed borders, that makes things hugely challenging. But it sounds like that that is being addressed. That is very much being addressed. For example, if you are a cross-border worker and you need to go into work, for example, at the hospital, you will have a a piece of paper saying it's okay that you cross the border. Uh, and uh, means you can you can you can take care of your your day to day work. Um, in our case, um, we still keep people home because Spinevest we do have the the, the means to actually work from home uh, more or less as efficiently as uh, as in the office. Except of course for the part where we um, where we visit clients or I fly to London uh, to visit clients or speak to Chris slowly from Citywire or whatever it may be. But uh, but indeed it's it's something we. Um, it's something Luxembourg has to think about very, very, very much. You touched upon one thing there that I was hoping to talk about, which was, I mean, the, the tech that you're using, the tech that we're using right now. Technology is evolving. Technology is aiding many bits of the work. Is it helping with marketing and communication? So are you finding new avenues? Are you finding new ways to do things? Are you even able to like harness things like AI? You talked about being able to build LinkedIn. That's a social media aspect. But are you also finding new technological routes to get your message out there? Underlining finding as it's ongoing, we're working on what it is that could make us smarter. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of talk about that for the actual asset management, uh, actually managing funds and, and finding the right equities or bonds. Uh, we're also looking to see what we can do in terms of, uh, of our distribution and marketing because uh, we believe a lot of things can be smart. And if you have the data and you cross-check the data, you can be much more efficient. So we are looking into to, to, to what can be done there. Um, LinkedIn is a fantastic tool. Uh, there, there's not much AI, um, except for the fact that sometimes when I chat with some of my friends, um, we have a long, long chats where you only click uh, the um, either the first, second, or third suggestion that uh, that LinkedIn pops up in the chat, and you're not allowed to switch just to see how long the conversation. That's interesting. Can go. Uh, how far does it deviate from the from the core? How far does that actually take you if you allow not your far, conversation to be autopiloted? Four or five steps, then then it starts repeating yourself. Uh, oh, okay. So, uh, but but uh, but so no. Apart from that, there's not much AI in 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 LinkedIn. Uh, uh, but I'm assuming there will be, and then they're, they're definitely working on it. But um, it's definitely something that we're going to use because we we um, again, if you have data and you and you and you can cross check it, what, what you're thinking, where we're strong, what messages we want to get out there, and uh, and cross check that uh, from from all sorts of data points. Surely it will help you find uh, find. Uh, find what you want to find in terms of distribution and marketing. Michael, I think I've covered everything that I was hoping to, unless there was anything you thought that was, is going to shape marketing and, and communications the way that we haven't touched upon. I imagine it is a huge topic, but it's hard to look beyond coronavirus at the moment. What would actually, where you could see things changing. I think one thing that we've seen from our side is um, companies you've touched upon this companies becoming more targeted companies actually wanting to physically or not physically but literally get the message in front of the right people the idea of having an old banner advert seems to have been lost now that seems to be sort of shouting in the wind to an extent do you think we'll move to more targeting do you think we could end up with even more personalization Uh, definitely because i think um with ai to get back to that and with every everything that's available out there you can choose and pick 
uh, what it is you want to be hearing about and what it is you want to be reading about. There is some categorization going on uh, in terms of, uh, for example, traditionally, do you want to hear about equities or do you want to hear about bonds? Uh, if, you, uh, if you extend that into to, to, to much more precise categorization that still covers the whole specter, uh, it will be so much more e easy to, uh, to, to communicate. And uh, in fact, I think CityWire is someone who's <laughs> quite, quite good at doing these categorizations and, and hitting the right target for the right uh, context. I'll end on that lovely note. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael, for taking the time. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you very much.